The highlight of tonight for me is seeing people get energized about the big picture in Christianity. Because there's too many things that can discourage people. A lot of people are discouraged in church, they're confused, uh, just kind of aimless. And if my prayer for this series is, if it, anything can come from it, it would be to help sort of provide a re-inspiration, a re-imagination, rekindling that imagination for the, the large, big picture purpose that God has for each of us. We need to discover what that is individually, but he has a purpose for his church and he wants to send us out into the world. Stephen Grable is Director of Programs and Research Scholar in Theology for the Acton Institute in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's standing in the lobby of the Celebration Cinema in Grand Rapids, where 250 guests have just viewed the premiere of Acton's seven-episode video series, For the Life of the World, Letters to the Exiles. This video series was described by Stephen's colleague Jordan Baller as an atypical small group curriculum. The evening also featured a live concert by Jars of Clay, an indie band which composed original music for the series. On this edition of Radio Free Acton, we'll take you to the premiere and introduce you to For the Life of the World, Letters to the Exiles. But more importantly, we hope this episode is the beginning of a personal journey for you to discover the big picture purpose that God has for each of us, what our salvation is actually for. The evening begins in a small theater at the Woodland Mall in Kentwood, a suburb of Grand Rapids, Michigan. 250 guests fill the seats, anticipating an evening of music from indie band Jars of Clay and a viewing of all seven episodes of For the Life of the World, Letters to the Exiles. This is an exciting moment for us. This film that you're about to watch is about two years in the making. Truth be told, it's been far longer than that. And we are very eager to unveil this. This is the first time this has been shown anywhere in its fullness. We are really glad to have you here tonight, and can't wait for this to start. So without further ado, we will uh, present to you, for the life of the world, Letters to the Exiles. For the life of the world seeks an answer for what it means for Christians to be in the world but not of it. Utilizing creative arts and music, we follow the journey of writer, artist, and everyday scholar Evan Coons through seven short exploration films, each describing and unpacking a different aspect of the bigger picture of Christianity. Evan concludes each short episode with a letter to everybody about what he has discovered about the role of our work, our rest, our family, and how it all fits into God's larger economy. Dear everybody... I have a confession to make. I am sick of how we Christians deal with the world. Okay, 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 maybe that's too harsh. Dear everybody, I think we need a new perspective, a wider view of what it means to be in the world, but not of it. There must be a better way. The pace of modern society is often fast. The beat is sometimes frantic. The need to belong is ever-present. Amy, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that perspective change you were talking about. This is my friend Amy Sherman. She's a researcher and a writer, and she's done a lot of thinking on what it means to be a Christian in the modern world. Strangers in a strange land, all that. 
Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about this. Seems like everywhere you look, it's, it's just a mess. Okay. We've got wars, culture wars, climate change, red state, blue state, you hear what I'm saying? Equality issues. And all we Christians can seem to do is just get caught up in it. And we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. But I'm just not sure anyone really knows what that means. So help me out here, Amy Sherman. Sure. I don't even know where to start. I think your first instinct is right. What if for too long we've been looking at our salvation only as a means of personal atonement. God's plan for all things is a grander story than that. What if there's a bigger question? Like, what is our salvation actually for? That's the key question, right there. Did you hear it? What is our salvation actually for? What is our salvation for? sequence in my front yard okay this is the story of the bigger picture Evan, welcome to exile the deeper mystery of faith this is the story of god's mission in the world and our place in it i'm evan hi i'm evan these are my friends evan what's going on and this is for the life of the world Letters to the Exiles. For almost two hours, the audience screened the seven short exploration videos which make up the series for The Life of the World, Letters to the Exiles. The journey begins with Evan and Stephen exploring together what it means for the followers of Jesus Christ to be in exile. Their search concludes with a whole new perspective on God's work in the world captured in a strange word, oikonomia. So, to understand the way of the Lord... Maybe we need a fresh set of terms, a new language. A new language, which is really an old language. Oikonomia, house management, stewardship, sea economy. Economy, from the Greek oikonomia, the management of a household and arrangement or mode of operation. Okay, okay. So, there's God's plan, our part in God's plan, God's house, our house management, God's purpose for the whole kit and caboodle, and our work in the nitty-gritty. Okay, okay. So let's call God's big purpose, the plan for his whole household of creation, let's call that oikonomia, and all the specific Areas and modes of operation, the ones that he's designed us to work in, you know, like our families, our jobs, our governments and charities, schools, institutions. Let's call those our economies, our house management. This is getting too abstract. I need to think of a way to harmonize these ideas. Harmonize. Music. This, this is a ukulele. You can't play this like you play a, a xylophone. A xylophone has its own way of making sound. 
its own unique patterns and techniques, its own mode of operation. Let's call it its own economy. You can't play it like a ukulele. You have to play it like a xylophone. And how a xylophone works might be different than, say, how, like, a, I don't know, a banjo works. Because a banjo has its own economy. Or like a trombone. Or like an upright bass. And all of these instruments, they have their own rules, their own economies. And they can make beautiful music by themselves. But what if they're meant to be played together? What if they're meant for something bigger? Something like a song. This is God's plan for all of creation. This is how we see God's activity in the world. And this is what we'll call Oikonomia. This oikonomia, or the bigger picture of God's purpose for us in the world, is examined in six short episodes. It's in each of these episodes we discover a multiplicity of smaller economies, which harmonize to create God's bigger picture purpose for our lives. The economy of love, how marriage and family is foundational to God's economy, the economy of work or creative service, the economy of order or justice, the economy of wisdom, the economy of wonder, learning to be still and to behold, and finally the economy of the church, God's unique calling of a people for himself to live in the now-but-not-yet reality of his coming kingdom. Immediately following the screening, I bumped into Jordan Baller, research fellow with the Acton Institute and managing editor of the Journal of Markets and Morality in the lobby of the Celebration Cinema. I had a question for him. What do you think of when you think of small group material? Well... Very canned, sort of prepackaged. Um, I was just talking to my pastor who was here tonight, and he was saying, you know, here's like you know three, four verses, and here's what you should think about that kind of a thing. And so, it basically stuff that'll tell you what to think. And um, the, the nice thing about this is uh, it challenges you to be creative and to be imaginative and leaves things open ended. And so, uh, it is atypical for something like a small group curriculum in that sense. Watching it all together, all seven seven episodes uh, in a row, it's it's uh, you can see the flow. You can see how it's it's substantive. I mean, you, you don't almost don't know what to say after watching all seven episodes because there's so much to think about and so much to to process. But it wasn't only my Acton colleagues who were in awe of what they had just seen. On the back row of the theater, I found myself seated next to a professional-looking 30-something couple. While the credits were rolling, I turned to Adam and asked for his thoughts. We were expecting kind of just an academic sort of Christian-esque thing. Stuff that was more like heady, like cerebral, but this was like, put it... Put it in our hands, put it in our hearts, you know, make it something that we walk out, we live, we breathe, we, we do, we don't just think about, you know, like, we go and live. What we got was uh, something that, like, had some meat and bones and some art to it. It was extremely artistic and proof that, like, Christians can actually do art. I think it's, a, it's an excellent place to, uh, as a kind of a jumping off place for small groups and for, for churches to say, hey, let's, let's reimagine, let's, uh, let's, let's talk. While I was making my way from the back row of the theater, I met a man named Mark, who, like me, appeared to be in his 50s. I asked for his thoughts. What were you expecting when you came into the theater tonight? <laughs> That's a terrible question because um, uh, I was totally misled to what was being presented, and it was all my own fault. 
Um, I was thinking there was a preview of the movie The Son of God. So, but I am so um, uh, so struck at the um, the power of the presentation to address a culture at a time such as this, and was thoroughly pleased. I mean, right from the beginning, I turned to my wife and said, uh, "This is not what I thought it was." <laughs> One of our uh, there's a group of us from our church, and uh, one of our pastors, uh, you know, said, "Hey, you got you want to go to this?" And uh, so we we came, really not knowing what to expect. What was powerful about it was the imagination, the creativity. You know, I mean, there's one section on wonder, but the whole uh, production was a wonder, and it was something that took the uh, Christian mind into an imagination. Uh, into a um, you know perhaps a, um, a a new way you know to think about the world and the culture and our you know and our role in it um, with um, with such creativity I think is the you know best way I would say that later in the lobby of the celebration cinema I asked Stephen Grable about how his team was able to take a heady topic like Christian worldview and package it in a way that was so emotionally engaging while maintaining the goal of educating the audience about the bigger picture of God's plan for the world there's always been a place for story because this is how we're wired we're wired to understand things in terms of their significance and out of our design. And that's what gets lost sometimes. Evangelical culture is a word-based culture and not a metaphor-based culture. And we need to meld these things together because the word, Jesus, was in flesh and, and was a man and lived on the earth, tabernacled among us, lived all of these things that we talk about in this series. And yet we tend to put that rich theology into word boxes that that carry the meaning but something's lost in the process and we need to get that significance back and the music that was created months in advance of filming played a huge part in that it played a huge part not only in orienting the writing team and the production team create the creatives in a particular direction but it, it sort of got into our souls and those rhythms begin to come out as you're ad-libbing in front of the camera. The music. All of the music is original, written and produced by indie band Jars of Clay exclusively for use in For the Life of the World. I spoke with Jars of Clay frontman Dan Hasseltine immediately after the premiere in the lobby of the Celebration Theater. I'm with Dan Hasseltine. We're standing here in the lobby of the Celebration Cinema where Jars of Clay just performed at the premiere of For the Life of the World. Why are you guys involved in this? You know, initially it was uh, a good friend of ours uh, connected us to the Acton Institute to have the conversation about this project they were they were dreaming about. And we were just excited because it was a conversation that we've been having as a band for a long time. You know, certainly, you know, being in the church and then also um, outside of the church necessarily. I mean, I don't usually use those terms, but as, as the general public um, thinks in those ways, um, we've been having the conversation. How do you integrate all those things together and how do you... And, and it just sounded like that was one of the things they were trying to accomplish through the series, and it seemed interesting to us. So 
we uh, we signed on pretty early and said we'd love to be a part of this um, in whatever capacity we could be. Before tonight, had you seen the entire series? No, this was the first time I've seen it. I've seen little tiny clip it's a, a but that's it nothing what were you expecting when you sat down to see this um i i really had very little expectation going into it and i i think because conceptually it was so difficult for them even to sort of describe it when we were in meetings and things that um that i really i didn't know what to expect going into it and seeing it all together seeing how how well it, it just fit together as a body of work um, just all the different pieces that I remembered in our earlier conversations when something would happen on screen, I would go, oh, wow, that's, we talked about that. We, mm-hmm. He said they were going to wind, wind these stories together and these scenes together, and, and they did it. I was, I was just amazed. I, I'm a huge fan of connecting film and music together. Um, you know, I've, I've always, you know, I grew up listening to John Williams and, you know, and collaborators that that took the emotion to another level in a film and uh so there's something emotional about the whole experience of just hearing our music being used in that capacity to kind of further uh develop some of the emotion and context for what people were experiencing in the in the theater so uh i mean that was that was amazing my one of my favorite parts was really the scenes when uh Three little girls and the the dance, the uh, episode on love, that was a really beautiful scene, and I, I was I was very shocked um, and awed by it. The episode on love Dan is referring to is episode two of For the Life of the World. It contains a segment where three little girls cast as the Trinity revision the creation of Adam and Eve. Dan wasn't the only one in the audience who was moved by that scene. Jordan Baller. So this is like maybe the third time I've seen the, the, the Economy of Love episode, and there's a scene, it's called The Dance of the Fiat, where it's going through the creation of Adam and Eve, the, the first couple and how we were created together, and, and I, it, I cry every time I see it. We need to start with the Trinity. God is one, but he's three. Continually pouring himself out. Pouring himself into himself. His whole life is grace, abundance, gift. And we know that God makes man in his image. Like God, he is creative. Like God, he has the power of intelligence and reason. In his very being, he is abundant. He overflows. And like God, his nature is to pour himself out in love, to give himself away to another. There's a whole team of people. You have theologians working with artists, working with philosophers, working with practical people that know how to put things like this together, Paul. Seriously, it's a group effort. And it required everybody to break a sweat, to get out of the known, to move into the unknown, and to develop some new neural pathways along the way. But that's the great thing about community. You never know what you're going to get. You put all of these people together that themselves are undergoing some transformation. It changed all of us on the set. Who's the audience for this? 
I think every Christian that's serious about their faith. I think it's an ecumenical message. It's not just for evangelicals. It's for every Christian that wants to get serious about their faith. I do think that, that the main audience is an evangelical audience who is thinking about um, the sort of cliches. I mean, it opens with, you know, we know that we're supposed to be in the world but not of it, and nobody really knows what that means. Um, so you hear these kinds of things. Often we don't get past the surface level of, of thinking about engaging in culture, and so this is intended to really give some depth to that and, and challenge us individually and communally to, to think about what that means. Remember my friend Mark, who I introduced you to earlier? I had another question for him. The question the series is trying to answer is, what is our salvation for? Did mm. it answer that question yes, for you? Yes, yeah. yeah. It's to give life to the world. Yes. Did you have a different answer to that question before you came in? Um, what is the role of our salvation? Yeah, I would I would think of it um, honestly, you know, more personally that it was um, you know for to to be uh, alive with Christ forever in eternity and um, and, and this you know because of you know I like my culture am self focused and this takes one and turns the focus. To the world that God has put, God has put us in. Begin your exploration of the large, big-picture purpose that God has for each of us on the web at www.letterstotheexiles.com. To learn more about the Acton Institute, visit us online at radio.acton.org. For the Acton Institute, I'm Paul Edwards. It's a beautiful thing. more than one I know the roses will bloom for this ghost in the moon